This is New Japan superstar Clark Connors, the wild rhino himself, and you're listening to Wrestle It. Okay, so hi everyone, and welcome to Wrestling's All Elite Listening Podcast, where we're all in on AEW. I'm Alex, one of AEL's co-hosts, and joining me today are Libby, Steve, and uh, MX Sharp. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey there. And this is the last night we had um, full gear, not all out. Uh, we had full gear and <laughs> it was quite... <laughs> I'm very sleep deprived. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a really good show. I enjoyed most of the matches on it. And um, the first one started the show off really strongly. Um, Luchasaurus versus Jack Perry. What were your thoughts on this? Didn't realize this was going to start the pay-per-view but it makes total sense because like you got a big ass cage there you got to get it down and up so obviously it's going to be the first one like it didn't clock to me that this would be the first match this was a surprise to me i'd also kind of like not forgotten about it but it wasn't uh like at the top of my list of of matches that i was like oh this is coming so it was kind of like a, a pleasant surprise to start with, I think, the the actual pay-per-view. And I think a story a lot of people were looking to really, you know, close the chapter on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a I think it was a really uh strong start to the pay-per-view. Um I this might this might be an unpopular opinion, but I've been pretty cold on this whole jungle boy, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus mm. thing, uh, for a variety of reasons. But the match was so good you know the everyone everyone was real hot for it um and it was just it was just a a great a great banger to uh to start the show with i think this is like it's felt like it's gone on for a really long time like it really has like it really like i think everyone was just absolutely begging for this story to finally move past the Luchasaurus element and get to the Christian element. So like the the one for Jack to win this and like get that done was like so eager, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it was very very necessary. I think you know it's I, I was very into this whole thing early on, you know, when the first one Christian and Luchasaurus first turned on on Jack Perry. I was ready for it, like okay, they're gonna had this whole build, and then you know Jack's like one of the futures of the company. He's gonna start rocketing up, and then Jasaurus turned back face, and then turned heel again. And it's just been going on for mm. for too long. So I wasn't cold on it as much as it kind of burned out on me. Yeah, that's how I would put it. It just took way too long to get to this point. But as everybody's saying, now that we got here, it was really fantastic and very different from some of the other stuff on the card. It kind of set a theme. I felt like for the night of Reestablishing and the kind of what AEW had been doing for a long time, and it's a couple early first years, you know, before Danielson came, before Pug came, when they were really trying to have this sort of contrast of yes, we've got a bit of everything. We've got high flying, high spot stuff, but we also had stuff like you know Cody Dustin or some of the early Mox matches, and this was just classic drama. Really good storytelling, hard hitting action. You know, we got, you know, Perry really beaten to the cage in the early parts of, but you know, making a classic babyface comeback and a really satisfying ending to the point where, like, 
I don't even really want to see him feud with Christian at this point. I think it's gone on so long. This is such a satisfying ending to the feud. I want to see what's next for, for Jungle Boy away yes. from both of them. Yes, for sure. I would love to have Jungle Boy away from Christian, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like this this match, like the, the narrative has felt pretty muddied, I think, uh, coming up to this. But this match puts such a great bow on it. You know, both uh, both Jack and Luchasaurus are just such good, like really fabulous wrestlers, um, and the the match was just so dynamic and fun. Um, I think uh, I liked I liked the part when the the cage did end up getting opened. They brought on the outside a little bit, threw some chairs in a table, and shut the door behind them. <laughs> <laughs> opened the because it was super early on the match when they went mm -hmm. out and i was like well i hope they go back in <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the cage for the fact that they like went back in and shut the door behind them was just really funny to me even, even i started checking when we first went out to be like <laughs> oh god is there a top on this cage and are we going to see something really horrific oh, yeah. <laughs> it was not but i, I like the contrast that like it's not about running away in AEW cage matches, right? You finish in the cage. Yeah. Has that sort of been the classic style? It almost kind of put an exclamation point on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it almost, like, got that. Because, like, all cage matches, right, have this question hanging over them. Like, when is somebody going to start messing with the cage? When is yeah. somebody trying to start going to start trying to get into the cage? And they, like, got that over with real quick. And they were like, okay. We can just focus on the cage match now. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciated that. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really good match. Um, there were some small moments in there that just, I'm not sure how it was when it was live, but the Jungle Boy's facial expressions, like um, when he started doing his sort of fiery babyface comeback, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, it was, and his, his expressions were just like pure anger. And mm -hmm. I don't know, on TV, I think that's so important. Um, it made the, the match feel more real. Like, the match was brutal to begin with, but you could kind of feel the anger coming from between the two of them, and it made the match... Like, I think that kind of elevated the match as, a bit as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely kept the mood. Like, you know, when you're having this... Thing that, things that have been said about him and his family, things have been done to him by Luchasaurus, even who he thought was his best friend, and then you stop in the middle of getting revenge to go, come on, guys, yeah, let's cheer. Like, it... It just it just takes everything right out of it, and it happens all the time. But it was very smart uh, of, for for Jack Perry and Luchasaurus kept you know, a steely face through the whole thing. Like they really locked in to the mood and didn't break it out of it, which was the right thing to do. Really hope if they if this uh, you know if this is going to continue with Christian that Christian wrestles <laughs> like <laughs> Christian back in the ring to to like run a series of matches or something or like move on from this like it has to be one or the other because anything more with like christian not throwing hands with jack perry is 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 gonna wane extremely extremely thin one of it's... the things that um that i find a little bit perplexing about how booking and storytelling tends to go in aew is that you know they can do other things and circle back to this mm -hmm. right like we don't have to resolve everything all at once and have a billion matches right one after the other like they can 
go and do something else and circle back. And I feel like if, because like there is something sort of hanging between um, Jack and Christian, but like we're so done with this feud. We're so done with this feud. Let Jack do something else. Let Christian heal up or do something else, and they can circle back to it like next year or whatever. Or they can like meet in a tournament or something. Like that would yeah. be like a really nice way yeah. to like, see that through. I think Christian's fine. I think he's just keeping the arm going. Um, just for, yeah. just for giggles. Um, this, this did feel like the exclamation point on the story, though. Like, there's mm-hmm. AEW were fairly guilty of this early on, where they would go straight to the um the stipulation match, but this felt like the bloody end mm-hmm. to a violent rivalry. Um, yeah, yeah. It there there's no real way to go up from this, so it should probably end now, at least until they meet again. By yeah. by I think it was Libya just said by tournament or something. Yeah, tournament yeah. would be good. I think even just. That's a good way of putting it, Alex. Like, okay, that's the point of a cage match, you know, usually or at least classically, like to be to be be, be all and end all, you know. Yeah. Down to it, one on one, we're locked in a cage. Nobody can screw with it, even if Christian did, but they went back in, and we finished things. And so, I, I even would like to see, you know, like maybe Christian and Luchasaurus moving on as a tag team now that Jack's going to be more of a clearly going to be primed to be a single star, which he's going to be. Uh, let them team for a while, keep something in the tag team ranks going, and then yeah, right in the next year in the Eliminator tournament, you know they've used that to prime feuds, or even something like you know Jack wins the TNT title or something, and then he comes out on Dynamite to celebrate, and Christian says like, hey, well you know what, you never beat me. They already have that card to play, so. Mm-hmm. Keep it in your pocket or up your sleeve for now. Is I think yeah. it's the chorus that we all we all seem to agree on. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised to see it starting first, but I guess um, obviously with the cage. But then the booking for the trios championship match, um, it kind of made yeah. sense given uh, given the result. What a pop for their return, by the way. Um, <sighs> My God, that Holy was amazing. So Holy. as soon as soon as I was certain that they were coming back for full gear, I bought I bought the tickets for full gear, um, <laughs> and I was just because um, it might it might surprise people to know um, I'm uh, at fake Sportfeel on Tumblr or Tumblr on Twitter and just a huge elite fan. So I they've been very missed, but. Being in the crowd for that pop was super cool. <laughs> oh my god, you must have had like goosebumps, right? Like when I the did. lights went down. I did, I did. It was uh when when it showed that they were up next, I was like already, and like I was just, um, it was just a lot. I I actually couldn't hear the music at first, um, in the it crowd. Was so loud. Cause, yeah, because everybody was cheering so loudly. Oh my um, music was perfect too. I thought everything about the edge. Yeah. Yes. You know, I ha- some of the packages leading into it, I thought were a little bit odd. Like in the last few weeks, until it was very clearly stated it was the elite, and they were coming back to face Death Triangle, all of that, which was done really well. But then, you know, Carrie and Maui with Sun, they, they come out, they, yeah, you know, the pop, like it was all pitch perfect. I felt like it was presentation. It was. Sorry, sorry. The presentation of all of those the competitors was amazing. Like from Penta mm-hmm. coming out as the Joker to then the elites, like um, the way that the light shone on Matt Mick and then Kenny. It was that was the best entrances of the night. 
yeah yeah yeah, for sure there was something that was so simple about it that it doesn't need more than it did like they are the event they are the spectacle yeah and all they needed was that silhouetted moment and then the lights to come on and like that's the magic right there you don't have to you don't have to make it with any sort of anything else just Mm -hmm. your excitement of them being there is the magic entrance you know people do special entrances and this was a special one yeah the most special thing about it was that they were back they were here and that was all you needed really yeah it was just the the three of them yeah yeah it was just it was just them um and uh and it was it was really super cool to see them back uh it was really super cool to see how happy everyone was to have them back because i also was very happy to have them back oh hell yeah and did you feel like did you feel like what happened afterward kept that going or like lived up to it so what was it like being there during like the whole oh thing during like- the match oh my god the match was incredible i think i think the crowd was the hottest for this match um yeah than like anything throughout throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the night and the, the crowd was pretty hot for for most of the night but it's just like 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 we i feel i i felt like it was a foregone conclusion that the match would be amazing um it, because you know these six people who are in the ring they have so much history with each other mm-hmm. particularly the bucks and the lucha brothers they work so well uh, with each other, they enjoy They've pushing always had, each like, other really, really hard. The best, so some of the best chemistry, pretty much in, yes. in mm-hmm. all of wrestling, is you know going on for the whole time of the company, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Even even before even before uh, in the lead up to to AEW, they were they were doing a lot of this, and they're just always a joy in the ring, and just like watching them, like. You know, it was crazy. It was intense. There were a lot of great moments. Um, everybody was was really engaged with it. Um, like it was just really exciting. And um, yeah, with uh, yeah, with I, I, I can tell you, like sitting there, I wasn't in the building. Like, I'm sure it was only even more so if you're there. But having not been able to see nick jackson do nick jackson things for several weeks now to then have you know they come out they're bathed in light they're dressed in like flashy things and then him just flying as he does everywhere just doing these incredibly athletic things as he does few if only if nobody almost nobody else can do other than penta and phoenix basically yeah Yeah. i always describe Uh, nick as like a a human beyblade like that's the the closest (laughs) thing i could ever describe nick as when uh it just it really jumped out to me and just hit me harder than even ever just because we hadn't seen it in a while like there was uh it, it was really really they cool. came out with purpose as well like that was oh, yeah. they you could tell that they'd been raring to go and right from the the gold like this was hard hit and it was fast and yeah. they, it was an energy that we haven't seen from the bucks for a while i think it was actually like the perfect return yeah 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 and um <clears throat> the moment that uh nick and uh and phoenix were were on the top turnbuckle facing the outside of the ring i was like what are you what are you doing what are you getting <laughs> what are you doing 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, because you've never... It's always something fantastic and insane when so they're insane. both in that position. You're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. These are the few people. These are the few handful of people in the business that legitimately earn please don't die chance. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt that. But yeah, and um, and uh, Matt, Matt Jackson did uh, my favorite Cazadora that he does. Uh, mm. I'm choosing to believe that it's specifically to wish me happy birthday. <laughs> of, course. of course, of course. There would be no other reason. It was for me personally to wish me happy birthday. <laughs> I loved as well, like Death Triangle. They were there. They were hungry as well. Like they yes. could tell that they wanted this match so yes. bad, and they wanted to deliver, and they wanted to meet and exceed the elite as you know in in this match. And the energy from them was fantastic. And I'm so like the hammer thing that we've been seeing this hammer going. Mm-hmm. I've been bringing it up every week, trying to get Phoenix to use it specifically. And the fact that like it got to the point of where like Phoenix was up in the one wing angel ready to go down and the hammer came flying in and he like bonked him with it. It was perfect. It was yep. the perfect reason for Phoenix to finally do that because that's essentially like it's the death sentence, you know. It's the yeah. it's literally the electric chair. Like there is nothing gonna happen apart from you're going down and out. Um, exactly. It was just the perfect moment for you know Phoenix, who is so keenly like so easy to gravitate towards him as a baby face to make that decision. It was just like perfect sense and like set us up for such. Uh, a perfect way for them not just to feel like they were filling the gap for when the elite were gone this right with some purpose and also now we have these these seven matches (laughs) oh i'm excited i'm excited i'm so excited for i find it so unhinged i find it it is it's a little crazy very it is very on brand for this group of people specifically. It is, it is. like uh, of all like the, the the six people that think that they could do this and will uh-huh. do this well. They will. Are these six people, and it's just absolutely bonkers to just just to say that like potentially they're gonna have seven matches. They are absolutely going to have seven matches. Yeah, they want never, all of never them. Been, there's never been a best of seven in wrestling that didn't go to seven. Ever. I mean, because like, why do a best of seven if you're not gonna go to seven? Right. And I mean, and it's I a little. So, so I've seen conflicting things about this. Does was last night the first one? Yes. Not. It's being yeah, counted so. as the first one. Okay. That so there's maybe so. six That's more. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I find I found that like a little strange. But if you're going to, but again, like if you're going to do it like for these people, you might as well do it big. Like you're, you weren't, you were going to have a rematch based on the the way the ending went with the hammer and you know the elite having a gripe about it being you know ripped off by, by foreign objects. And if you're going to do another one, then. What the what the hell? Why not have four more after that? Uh, Anything I mean, worth doing is worth overdoing. Exactly. That's the Jericho Appreciation Society's motto. No. <laughs> they love to stretch those stories out. Can I just say as well, like, because I so I watched Full Gear like for like three hours and then watched um, Historic Crossover. Kenny being back Kenny. in a New Japan ring is absolutely Coco Bananas nuts. Like, I know everyone was like, hmm, there's no uh, 
No match booked out of these uh, supposed six that are left for January 4th, eh? Hmm, suspicious. Um, suspicious. But, like, for it to be actually happening, like, Kenny's going to go back to New Japan during this potential seven-match <laughs> window. Yeah, that's crazy. So crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. To go from full gear and then to watch this show and then Kenny, like, popped up on the screen, like, challenging for the US belt, a la Jericho style when he challenged him for the US belt, you know, like, mm-hmm. showing up for that video. I was just like, I think I've just been, like, I've arrived in what seems like is going to be matches for 2023 and now I've been, like, thrown back to 2017. But it's also, <laughs> this is also going to happen in 2023. It's just so crazy that, like, all of this is happening. Like, we went from two months of not seeing them and nothing, yeah. silence. And now it's like, here's seven matches and a New Japan appearance in yeah. a couple of hours. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Kenny, how good did he look oh, during man. that match? It's so good. It's so good. The way he's healed. Yeah. He looks like like he, when we were all watching him when he was so injured and still having those fantastic matches. Mhm. They were fantastic, but when you like look at how Kenny like moves and feels and even like the joy in his face, mm-hmm. you can tell it was really tough for him back now na- back then. Yeah. And now it's like a completely different person like you can only see how bad it was now that we can see that he's doing so much better. Mm-hmm. Right. So here's yeah. hoping they can space out his new his new Japan stuff with these with these with this series, so we don't kind of put him right back in that predicament. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. It's complete, it's complete <laughs> night and day. So like what he was doing, even as he was carrying the company, you know, as the heel champion and doing amazing stuff, and mm-hmm. then handing the baton off, but. uh it's yeah, you're right. It's completely visible just in his movement and the way he's doing the same moves. You could do a split screen and see, you know, yeah, greater, you know, quick, you know, was it quick twitch muscles? Just the way he can like run and jump and the move, the way he does a move, is very different. Which is it was definitely a highlight to see. But uh, we it's anybody, yeah. I guess you know, obviously you know was booked a certain way with the object and stuff. Were people surprised by the finish itself or just how it went? down and who went who came out winning this match i um... was i was surprised but um it made sense like which i really liked i assumed that the elite were going to win i think like most people i guess but mm. the, st- yeah. the the way that it, the way that it was done and the story that they told to get to that point it made perfect sense it was really really well done I will I will admit to a brief moment of utter devastation in the wake of that finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I um I got to see them win those belts in uh all out. I was very upset when they got them stripped and I was like, Great. Well, I can close this loop, I can um I can see them like get their belts back and it'll be great. It'll be awesome. I'm so glad to have them back. And then and then they and then the finish happened and I was like, what? And then after 30 seconds, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is this is the move, though. Like, this is the right move. Oh. Um, it's 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 the right move for them. It's the right move for Death Triangle, because like, yeah, Death Triangle doesn't deserve to have just been, you know, carrying the belt around for the the elite until they got back. Oh. I mean, it made um, them look like fodder, right? Like they were just there, right? To, 
be standing in the ring when the pop happened and then get pinned and everybody has having a party. It, right, so right. It made sense, like you were just saying. It also is. It also made match going on second to make sense to me. Gotcha. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. want to be able to then get the crowd back, like you know, if it's going to be mm. to have that maybe a little bit of a dip of like, oh, the elite, I'm so happy to see the elite, but they lost, even though you get it. You know, it's mm-hmm. you don't want that to be certainly not the last match of the night or even kind of the setup for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I also I think it's like I feel like we've got out of touch of like the other trios. There's been like challenges for Death Triangle, but they've been like like sort of little groups of people rather than like true trios teams. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're gonna get some time to the, the division just because it just came around and then the belts are stripped and then. It's just, it's been a bit of a hodgepodge. It feels like you're going to be able to really rebuild that in this mm-hmm. time as well. So that when we're mm-hmm. at the position of, you know, when the elite are going to have the belts again, because let's be honest, it's going to happen. They're on the belts. It's them. Yeah. They're the pictures on the belts. It's um, their belts. It's their yeah. theirs. <laughs> it's the truth <laughs> um, that there's going to be more like contest to get there and it's going to be a, a juicy juicy story outside yeah. we have going on with, with death I, yeah. I, I agree yeah. with you i think they do need to build it up i'd almost like if the, if at some point in between their matches with the elite if like it cost a death triangle the belts to somebody completely it's like a completely third party trio that you have an actual title feud for the trio's belts plus a high profile trio's feud would almost be i feel like the best thing for the division i don't think they're going to do that but yeah. It would kind of be interesting. Yeah, well they've got House of Black back now. So they they can start they like they can use this time to start building the trios a little bit better than they have been. So Yeah. yeah. But I am looking forward to seeing where the, the best of seven goes. Yeah, me too. I think um I think they'll get pretty unhinged about it, to be perfectly honest. A hundred percent um yeah i'm yeah. not i'm not worried about that one getting samey i'm going to be um, honest I, I, I i think i have to correct you the young bucks never lean too hard into anything okay <laughs> oh, um, okay <laughs> please let's watch our mouths yeah yeah com- uh completely completely <laughs> normal and chill yep famously it's, the young bucks it's like you know just like you might see your parents walk around licking the blood off the bottom of a studded shoe like it's just <laughs> all it's all standard standard stuff Normal stuff, normal stuff, normal stuff. Yes, of course. Excuse me. I didn't mean to uh, malign them like that. <laughs> um, how did we all feel about Jade and Nyla following that? It was a uh, match. I felt bad I think for it, them. Like, I felt, I think yeah. I could, I could that, that was, was mean. Just a spot of like the sacrificial spot. And I felt bad. I felt bad for them kind of seeing them have to come out following that. Like the cage match and then the Bucks, which the Bucks or the Elite and Death Triangle make sense for following a cage match because they can do that. And then like and then after that to put them in that spot after those two matches back back to back felt mean. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I um, I really feel like it's I like Jade and Nyla and I do think Jade is an absolute fucking star and knows exactly who she is and does it so well i love nyla as well and i think nyla's really great i'm just really ready for jade to start having some more proper competition like some like really get in there with like your sheeters 
your Rihos, your Tonys, like, like going back to Athena now that she's turned heel. Like, I really want to see Jade put to the test now. Mm. Like, I think she's more than capable of doing it. And I think she is like the, the, the package. Like she's, you know, fundamentally a, a wrestling star. And it's time to it's time to put put some some energy, some real force behind that, especially with all these wins. Let's really see why all these wins are are, are big for Jade, why she's this monster, because I it's it's starting to feel a little bit old for Jade and I think she deserves more. I think that it kind of reflects the, the mid-card in the women's division a little bit, though, the way that things have been booked for Jade. Obviously, she's been, been booked as a star, but no one um, in the mid-card has, other than Statlander, who I think was going to beat her at right, the last yeah. pay-per-view, has um, had that sort of breakout moment. Athena, I think, uh, um, at Rampage might have just had that breakout moment uh, when she punched Audrey. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> There needs to be, we're coming to the point where we kind of need to have this, like, be used to put someone else over as well. Right. And yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I agree that it needs to start being more featured and as a serious competition. I think stuff with Nyla helped to do that in the sense of putting in more front and center, right? We want more mm. attention yeah. in the women's divisions, you know, on the TV program, you know. Uh, Nyla in this mode of like healing on a heel is hilarious. She's magnetic, <laughs> and it, you know the whole story, ongoing storyline of uh, you know stealing the belt and talking about it, you know, helped it be a thing. It just didn't quite translate to the ring last night. It wasn't quite the same kind of chemistry with their, when they're as they both have on the microphone, even going at each other. Because mm. uh, yeah, I like Nyla, Nyla was still like- wrestling kind of like a heel. It wasn't really mm. like, oh, look, I'm getting one over on this person you don't like. Let's cheer me. Like, hi, aren't we all in on this? It was still like she would when she was beating up Sheeta, you know? Mm. Yeah. And which is, it should be an, over time, it should be an easy transition for Nyla if we want to keep her kind of like a tweener face. Cause, you know, if you just, this is why, you know, I, I keep, I've said a few times to people, like, this is why Nyla had talk for her for so long it wasn't because she can't talk it's because if she talks she'll just become a face because she's hilarious and charismatic yeah. and so she can do that it just needs to switch a little, a little bit up in the ring more and there didn't seem to be a ton of as much chemistry in ring with them as there was uh you know in, in the presentation format and it was still very it was wasn't a bad match it, it was just sort of a little more ho-hum it didn't quite get out of second gear uh to do something really Awesome, which we've seen them both do. So I think, you know, right. going from here, right, it needs to be a bigger moment. It can be someone, maybe still with someone who can kind of be the ring general for her. She's shown a lot of improvement Jade has over this time in terms of just how good she is in the ring. And she's very, very good. She's proven it. Someone who can help kind of guide stuff and set things up like a Rio or a Deeb or somebody like that to then yeah. have a big, or can really help start to stretch out her matches to then pay it off with whoever they need to add the baton off to, you know, whether whoever that be. Yeah, yeah. And I think also I would just like to see more uh, stories with Jade. Like, I think I think this thing between Jade and Nyla uh, has been, like, the funnest and most engaging storyline in the women's division that we have had in a very long time. Yeah. And it's um, 
and like I love it it's great but it's just it's such a shame that you know this division isn't really being used as like a platform to like tell stories like this um because like I remember when like all of the sudden red Vel- red velvet was part of jade's entourage yeah and like red velvet and jade like had a whole had a whole feud i actually like really liked it i really liked their dynamic really and then all yeah. of a sudden red was part of her entourage and i'm like i'm not against it but like why like give us like a story here like give us something give us anything yeah. it was i the think same that kind of played out on dark um where red velvet <sighs> started having having tension with chris statlander um well yeah yeah betray her but then it was like the next day she was like there wasn't wasn't like a a middle part there it was just like uh i'm here and now i'm here give her and give her a microphone let let let's let her tell it don't just exactly exactly go on dynamite you know tell tony to cut the you know what and then let red velvet Tell her, get, get on screen and tell us what she's doing so that she's still more of a featured player, even if she's one of the baddies, you know? Right. You and like, also, and there's, and she's explaining herself, you know, what I did and why, and here was what I'm going to get out of it. And this is what we're going to do to the rest of the division, right? You know, why was I fighting this when together we're going to be the biggest force in all of women's wrestling? Anything. Uh, yeah. Something. Because just, just because she turned heel on Statlander doesn't mean that she's suddenly going to be besties with you know, one of the biggest feuds yeah. and rivalries she's had in the com- in the company, right? So like like why like what was that connection? So I think I think and that's true of basically all of the people in like Jade's baddies is we don't have a lot about them. We don't have a lot about their relationships with each other. We don't have a lot about, you know, what they're doing apart from Jade, which I think would really strengthen her if she had people at her side who were doing things in her own right. It's just um it's just a further reflection of the like the larger problem in the uh women's division in AEW. It's, it's safe to say that we're like the reason, we're really not talking much about the actual match is uh, a kind of a That's sign of kind of went in the ring and in the crowds during it. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately the the audience was a little was a little cold for this match. Um but, you know, I think we kind of said all that we were going to say about it, which was like it was good. We enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, the crowd seemed to pick up during the Jericho, um, Sammy Danielson, and Claudio match, though. Um, they did. Yeah, that was a really, really good match. I we loved to see Sammy beat up. <laughs> We're it's just people, true. and we have needs. And the basic needs is to sort of see Sammy Guevara suffer a bit uh, at the hands of Danielson is always like quite preferable because that tends to be the more brutal element of it. Um, I'm kind of like. Much like a lot of Jericho's things, they are exciting to start with and then I think they just go on for too long. They're kind of never ending. And like mm. the concept of him facing every Ring of Honor champion is exciting in the premise. And when people started coming in, it was really cool. And now we're kind of like, we're like pausing and we're like cycling 
back to to Brian and Claudio, and it's kind of like, oh, this has lost its momentum and it's getting drawn out, and Sammy Guevara's in the mix as well. It's kind of like, this is like a good match. Like, everyone in this match is good. No, like, it just feels like it's stagnated with the Ring of Honor title. Like, they're just letting it happen rather yeah. than feeling it as a as a force or something it had real excitement when this whole like ring of jericho stuff started and now it's just kind of like a little bit of a a wet lettuce the 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 the, the ingredients of the salad are fantastic the wrestle is here sammy is sammy um (laughs) you know i i think he's a great wrestler i just don't think he's like you know he's not the the best thing in the world compared to the other people he's in the ring with like the ingredients are good but it's still a wet salad at the end of the day story wise for me i think it's because it went on so long like i'm convinced this story started before aew (laughs) (laughs) it also dragged out a bit it was the, really long match. The match it? was quite long. The match was quite long. I um I, I I remember at one point being like, "Are we doing this Sammy and Jericho have tension thing again?" Again, yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of like a, it kind of flopped like a wet noodle the first time around. Mm-hmm. And like, are we still running around in this circle? A lot of a lot of like things that involve Jericho. Huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's fitting because that just seems to be the booking philosophy around Jericho is just circles and circles and circles of the um, same thing forever. It doesn't just seem to have killed her interest. It seems to have killed the Bullet Club, uh, the um, Blackpool Combat Club as well. Right? Yeah. I feel Which like... were at one point like actually the most interesting thing in AEW. Yeah, and they got stuck in this Jericho vortex. I had you... I they always... should have um, moved on after the blood and guts. I don't understand why they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, understand was... why we're here. Right. That was that, that to me was like the big moment to come in. Claudio had just come in. He wins blood and guts. He's over Jericho. He feels like a giant star. And then that could have, that was the that was the reason to do that, and then we're off and running. But uh, yeah, at the match itself, you know, I thought like, of course, these guys are all incredibly talented. The three, you know, three of them have been around for forever and know exactly what they're doing. It was all executed really well. The Sammy and Jer- uh, Jericho, and then Brian later, Brian and Claudio, like going, you know, sort of like respectful showing. But then okay, let's go at it because we're competitors. You know, bits were good. The double team bits at times were also good. Like. I think these guys are going to do is going to be a stinker. It was not, it certainly was not that. It just, you know, the story has kind of gotten stale a bit going into it. And I don't think adding Sammy into the mix was the way to liven it up. And then the match itself kind of drew out a bit with a lot of, you know, something I was like watching the Brian Zane reaction. He pointed out to me and I, I couldn't help it. I could not see like a lot of the matches starting here just had so many, relied on so many false finishes and, oh, it's almost over. Oh, but it's not. And then it's just sort of like yeah. on and on and on through that. Then you're like, well, wait, it was the finish. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to them, though, those false finishes did get me. I genuinely well, thought that. Um, you get that Daniel so many Singh times, and eventually, that. like, you start to 
wear, it starts to wear out a bit. And it does. So, just, uh, I mean, at the ending, again, it was all done fine. I think they had just sort of burned me out a bit on like, oh, okay, now it is actually done uh, when it actually happened. None of it I was bad. A lot of it was very good. It just, I think, needs to be put in a new direction. You know, the direction of, yeah, like, you know, the novelty of Jericho holding that belt is that, like, seeing Jericho face not AEW people and, like, mm-hmm. you know, defend a Ring of Honor matches as opposed to defending a Ring of Honor belt against guys who are on the card in AEW. That's yeah. what would make it more unique. Yeah, it, it... <sighs> So I, I think I'm in the minority on, on this one. I, I've never been a particular fan of Jericho having the ROH belt because, you know, I I like ROH for ROH as its mm. own particular thing and not just AEW's hat. And um, I, I feel, I, I didn't feel, I never felt that there was any particular care for you know the legacy or the people or the style or the history of ROH when putting it on Jericho and like yeah and we haven't explored any of that we haven't the Jericho having the ROH belt has not been about Jer- has not been about ROH rather yeah. it's been about Jericho Jericho has a belt he's the Ocho la 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 but like what does this do for ROH? Like, besides be, like, a shiny thing to put around Jericho's waist. Like, I don't really see it. Um, I don't really see it in, like, the matches that he's had or the people that he's he's faced. And, yeah, and he's just kind of been going after Blackpool Combat Club in circles while carrying this belt around as, like, a prop. When, like, when both Danielson and Claudio, I believe, mm-hmm. have far more history with this mm-hmm. bill. And we could be having a storyline or a feud that kind of centers ROH because we have these people who have all of this history and respect and who got their start in this company. And and there's this guy disrespecting it, but we're not getting any of that. Really. Well, we're not leaning against it, right? Because like, I can understand why... You know, the chase is always the big thing. And if you have someone either with ROH history or who was in ROH when it got purchased, you know, trying to take it away from him, right? Like Jericho is eyeballs. Jericho is attention on what he's doing. So if you mm-hmm. use that to promote people who either were or are going to be focused in that brand, and one of them eventually is the guy who like, you know, courageously takes it off of him and restores it to honor that makes sense mm-hmm. that is something that makes sense and even in the meantime whoever he faces gets a big it's a big giant audience they wouldn't normally but everybody knows and loves claudio and danielson like already they're and they're going right. to be more than more often than not on AEW television and in AEW feuds and like i was hoping after winning blood and guts claudio would be in the scene for the world AEW world title not in roh but either way not doing any of that really contrast that with how they handled the tag team titles where ftr went into roh shows wrestled a long time roh you know faces of the division had some of the best action of the entire year anywhere in the world and -hmm. respectfully won the belts showed respect for the belts and the opponents like roh style is 
and have kind of taken over with it. And that nobody's complained at all about that. It's been awesome. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think, think that it's something doing... like that or approaching that would be or that approach even would be good. It's difficult for me to see like eyes on Jericho servicing anything, but putting more eyes on Jericho a lot of the time. Um, it, it, sometimes I, I, I struggle to see how he does actually ele uh, elevate others. Um, and I think this run with the ROH title it has been really indicative of that for me. Well, here, I don't here's, think here's it's helped anyone. Right. And of course, you're going to be shocked because it's me talking about Orange Cassidy. But um, <laughs> you look at that feud, you know, Cassidy is a guy who's kind of coming up. He had started being a little, being presented a little more seriously. He had won some matches. And then all of a sudden you're like, he's going to wrestle Chris freaking Jericho. What is, how is this going to work? It did work, you know, because Jericho took him seriously, feuded with him but by attacking him with a bag of oranges or sticking the inner circle on him, you know, not instead of just laughing and walking away, that made it come off as serious. And then eventually, Orange won, and that was a big freaking deal. Because if you can beat the guy people talk about as the goat, the guy who's the first uh, champion, like that's a big deal. That elevates you. But they haven't done that with their people, so I, that that could have been done with somebody like uh, you know up and coming. You know, not Yuda because he had been the pure champion, or whatever. But you know, somebody like that on a lower at a lower level in terms of wrestling, but a, maybe a lower national attention uh, level. That could be that could have been done already. It probably should have already started to happen. It could still be done now. So I don't think that that doesn't work. It's just that they haven't done it, and I don't know why. Yeah. I'm not, I mean... sure, the I'm not sure the intent was to put people over, though. It was to gain more traction for Ring of Honor so that they, Tony Khan could get a uh, a TV deal for the promotion, but I don't think that, that I think that that was kind of like misinformed anyway, because all that happens is that AEW trends when he's defending it on AEW, it doesn't uh -huh. like actually deepen fans' connections with Ring of Honor. It deepens fans' connections with Chris Jericho or whomever right. he's fighting there, there there's no like trickle down here if people weren't interested in uh ring of honor before they're probably not going to be swayed by jericho like running riot over the history of AEW, which i've said before is really low stakes on AEW tv if this was done on like the honor club streaming service then it might have put more eyes on on ring of honor but doing it on AEW tv has just cannibalized the tv time destroyed any tension with the blackpool combat club and uh, like as you said it's only put eyes on jericho it's not helped ring of honor at all yeah i think uh speaking of emotional connections after this came soraya versus Britt baker uh how how did everybody find this match it was okay I mean, it was all about mm. the moment. It was about the moment. It was yeah. about seeing Soraya, mm -hmm. Soraya coming out. You know, she got emotional. I got emotional. I think everybody was emotional seeing her actually come in and get in the ring. Uh, it was, which was phenomenal. That was like, you know, if, if the lead had the best entrance of the night to me, like Soraya's was the most like provoking entrance of the night, the one I most was like uh, affected by. And, yeah. and then as 
I know they got going. She, you know, teased the fact that she was hurt, then got up and shrugged it off. And we were all like, okay, good. I think we all needed that a little bit. So we weren't worried the entire time about her Mm -hmm. because they did a lot of spots directed towards that. So if she hadn't sort of played off of it originally, I might've been a little freaking out. Uh, And then overall, yeah, it was not, you know, neither of, neither of them are the world's best technicians. Like, you know, they're both amazing characters and Mm -hmm. they're certainly can handle themselves in the ring, but neither of them are ring the you know the cleanest technical people in the world, which is fine. It's not why we love them, and it's not what we necessarily look for from them. So it was a good match overall. It told it told a really good story, and that's really what their gifts are: is you know storytelling and getting things across to the audience in a very real way, which I thought which they successfully did. So I you know I was happy with it all around. Yeah, yeah. How I was, was this in person because I I have mixed feelings about the build up and like the crowd reaction to the build up. So I'm curious, what was it like being in the crowd for this in person? Yeah, I think you know, I think people. So like the crowd wasn't as loud for this one, unfortunately, but it did feel like people were still very engaged with with what was happening, and it was just like it was it was cool like watching it unfold and watching them interact with the audience um and yeah i think it was i think it was really effective and it was a a really sort of beautiful first match back for soraya and we were all really really happy for her really happy at her happiness to be back and you know really pulling for her in in this match and i just think the two of them like they're both just like really really great performers and i'm excited for more (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think we'll probably i think we'll probably get more with the two of them definitely i found like the build-up this was it was i think i'm really glad it, it it went this way that it was just this very like nice moment and like even though like the match was like obviously like there was ring rats and stuff it was still like this really like good moment for for Soraya and um it just like was a nice open starting the the chapter rather than closing one for her but i found the build up to be this there's this kind of you know Brit lives in this kind of tweener zone in the fact that she does a lot of heel stuff she wrestles like a heel but I find that she is so connected with the audience and is able to get reactions from them and they're so in tune with the DMD chant and everything she can like you know pull that out and drop it a hat it's almost like she can't resist it like that that feeling and that she gave such uh a couple of like impassioned promos leading up to this against Soraya and I found it like the crowds would like flip on they would be like booing Brit and then she would kind of do like a really witty clever line or like a very impassioned say something really impassioned and true especially about you know all the things that, you know, she's done leading to who she is now in AEW, how she's grown, you know, the matches she had in the pandemic, you know, her, her thing is stipulation matches. I think that's that she really shines in those. Um, and so, like, the crowds, there kind of wasn't, like, a clear heel or a face, which isn't a bad thing. But I found, like, not the crowds were fickle. It was just that 
they were being played so much back and forth that the crowd kind of didn't know which way to go. I wasn't sure how to feel because I knew it was Soraya's moment. But I was kind of like, well, Brit is, she's not wrong about all the things mm-hmm. that she's worked on and done and like how far she's come. It, it was really kind of like, I know where this is going, but it kind of, I just feel like Soraya should have, should have been the the light going into that. The, there should have been so much energy, regardless of this, if this was her comeback or not, behind her as to beat Brit. But it was kind of hard to be against Brit when she really is kind of like a heart and soul of, of the promotion. I think yeah. that Brit is really good at protecting herself and it doesn't really matter what the story context is. She is really good at identifying ways to make herself sympathetic. It means that she's good on the mic and she is. She's really good on the mic. But I don't know if it took away because the the promos were compelling, but yeah, it didn't feel like the focus was really on Soraya's moment for this match. Yeah, I I feel like as a first match back, um, Brit is a really tricky one for Soraya, um, because Brit is very beloved in AEW. She has, you know, been a part of it for a really long time. Uh, a lot of people have been really pulling for her. She's been working, you know, really, really hard to be a standout in the women's division and to make the women's division a standout. So it, it, I think I think she's a, a hard one to be babyface against, especially... I think there's been a I think there may have been uh a growing sentiment among AEW fans that resent a little bit the fact that it seems like a lot of the people who were originally part of the company who started the company or who carried things through the pandemic have been put on the back burner mm, in yeah. favor of shiny new toys. And that's why, it is that kind of became the point of feud, right? Like she said that out loud, right? Yeah, so right. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. it served, served, it kind of served story to me, though. Exactly, and like it made for a compelling story, but it also makes for a story that is really difficult to give Soraya the uncomplicated babyface return. Yeah. So Brit was a hard matchup against her, but. The problem with the AEW women's division is that we didn't really have anybody who was built with the kind of star power that, like, could have done that match, really, because Soraya needed to have a big first match back, right? I was going to say, I totally agree with you, because just Soraya coming back, having that entrance of the emotion and the pop, and then squashing Sky Blue and... 90 seconds doesn't does it kind of it's a letdown after that entrance yeah, right. it serves then. the moment so i think that ha- you know we right. want, we've been calling since the start of aew for feuds for in the women's division that aren't around the women's title or that now the tbs yeah. title and right. so this really felt like one finally like because like just like yes. you're saying brit had legit yeah. reasons to be like why is everybody now just talking about this person like she's the biggest star here not only, you know, I've been the biggest star here for years, you know, get off my block, basically. Exactly. It made sense. It also made, you know, it, it felt 
like it lived up to you know what we feel like is Soraya's status, even though she she hadn't wrestled in so long. She's probably still the bigger side of the bigger names of anybody in the company to casual fans. And so then having, you know, it, it made her feel like she wasn't just coming in for her name and then being kind of pushed down to like, you know, into like the third level mid card of the women's division, you know, she's there. It's a featured opponent right away, a featured spot in the card is, you know, it's pretty getting on into the match coming after guys like, uh, you know, immediately after, but just after guys like the uh, Jericho and Claudio and Brian, and even after the elite and death triangle and people like that. And so it, it only really made sense to do this and gave us something where people are on equally big profile footing and given the, uh, and given the forum for it in the women's division. So it, it had to walk a line, but I think it, it ultimately worked for yeah. feud to have a, as a feud for, with, for the reasons for it to be one and for it to be bigger box office, which we've been pining for, for the women to be able to give, be given that pedestal for a while or the soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did really appreciate that part of this whole feud. Like we got to have a big women's feud that wasn't around the belt. We got to have three women's matches on the main card in a pay-per-view. Crazy. Three um, was really well booked stories as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so none of them were like set up on the dynamite right before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was really good. That was a big plus. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I like the match. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad I, it ended the way it did. Like it was just straight up match. Yeah. The two of them ended clean. It wasn't overdone. Not, no spoilers for later, but, uh, <laughs> two of them had, you know, head to head and ultimately, you know, Soraya coming out has that feel good moment. It doesn't like Alex is saying, it doesn't really take anything away from Brit. She can talk herself into heat in 30 seconds or you know jump jump her the next week you know it doesn't take anything away from her as still being a star but it paid off uh for Soraya. following yeah. this we had big meaty men slapping me cool turn for samoa joe to have both of these belts the tnt championship and the ring of honor tv belt which i think maybe the ring of honor tv belt is is uh, almost done better than the actual ring of honor belt um as terms of like prestige just because it, it sat with with joe for a bit somebody and- who absolutely actually has history and and yeah into ring of honor and its and traditions and it's yeah yeah <laughs> i love heel joe that's that's the summer joe that owes my heart so i am absolutely thrilled for the way this has gone and sort of like the way this is planned out how do you guys feel that wardlow about wardlow's reign i guess and 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 losing it in this situation his run was fucking brutal wasn't it like Mm-hmm. He was, um, but he was given nothing after he won. Like he went into that feud against like um, Mark Starling for whatever reason, and then has basically not been seen up until Warjo. And yeah, why? I don't know. They absolutely killed his momentum just immediately after he had one of the biggest payoffs in AEW history. Of no idea what Tony Khan is thinking with his run. Uh, he perhaps isn't thinking 
very hard about it at all. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, they took a they took a really long time to pull the trigger on Wardlow. They dragged that out a really long time, almost too long. Um, and it was saved only by like the nature of how great his turn against MJF was. But yeah, oh, and yeah. then they and then they didn't they didn't give him anything. I mean, the way that they've been booking the TNT belt, um, basically since Cody, Cody. <laughs> has just been uh like that whole hot potatoing it uh, end of last year, beginning of this year. And like all of the everything, it's just been it's it's done a real disservice to a, a belt that I I really liked, and they did a real disservice to Wardlow by um not really doing anything with him. And I think people still like want to be behind him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but they're just like they're just not being given much, and you know, and you know this this match was good. He can't he can't book faces at all and I've no idea why. Like th- this is somebody that doesn't actually need to do that much. He just goes in, beats the shit out of people, and people cheer when he power bombs. People like, chant his name before he's you can even see him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like this guy is over with a capital O. Like I have no idea how he's managed to book him so poorly. Here's the thing that I think is interesting in this case. Woodlow has lost his championship, yes. But technically, Woodlow has a win against the now current champion. So I'm wondering if this is something that they are planning to revisit um, with regards to, I mean, spoilers, but if you're listening to this, you know MJF is the champion. Um, I, I sort of feel like there's something to cook there or that's maybe where the thinking is going um they could really heat him up by doing that um and having and having that sort of program with mjf um but then they would need something to to follow it up with like they need Mm -hmm. to let him have his own identity away from mjf and i think that's when where they've been really failing him i think they should probably uh keep them apart for a while like that was a really, really well-told story. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they've got probably, if they stay in the company for a while, this is something that they can revisit again, like Rock and Austin every few every few years, um, where they just happen to clash for the belt or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is that this has been a a real moment for Hobbs as well. Like, I feel like Hobbs has really gained his own identity over like leading up to this. And going he has forward. a real presence, like. Yeah, I just don't understand why they had to split him and Ricky Starks up. It breaks my heart every day. The, <laughs> the moment Team Taz, when Taz announced that Team Taz were no together, she went no. Like I, 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 them. I, I like true. Like I don't know storytelling malpractice, in my opinion. Like all of those guys, like. This is this is a this is a flaw in Tony's booking that I've been noticing is that he doesn't really like to have his baby faces have friends. This you need friends and the baby faces and like friends is what makes baby faces interesting because otherwise they're just a dude who wins things and smiles a lot like Cody. 
Um, yeah. Cody didn't have meaningful relationships with anybody. And I think that was part of why he got so stale. Yeah. And like every time, like when, when, um, when a hangman got the belt and all of a sudden he, he like was never seen with the dark order. Like that was ridiculous. Like, yeah. Let babies like, let them have friends. That's really weird, isn't it? Like, it's the implication there is that the heels are more likable than the faces. Well, this is the thing. You you're charmed by the fact, and you see it in the women's match when we talk about it. But you're charmed by the fact that these people come. They come to the ring. They pull for their friends. They do, you know, crazy shit and shenanigans and like. That's all really like that's the stuff that that makes you feel like you're watching something special is because you're seeing it's not just one person it's it's lots of people and differently how they feel about each other and like that that group of friends is is the charming part and the baby faces lack that and it also means whenever they get like beat up on or attacked or whatever you already know there's nobody <laughs> to save them. You already know that it's like a, it's already like a a, a squash moment. Yeah, it, it's this bizarre loneliness that sort of faces at the top have. It's, it's like this, a lot of top faces are sort of destined to this kind of tragic feeling. <laughs> this isolation. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's something that they all have to face. Is like this 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 tough journey on their own is the the lone face like it's a it's a weird and it's boring thing. it's boring it's boring i'm just going to say it the lone face who like does it alone and knuckles down and like i i'm bored i'm yeah. already bored this is why i like heels this is why i'm mm -hmm. a fan of the elite because the, that's not boring <laughs> it's also why people gravitated so strongly to hangman and the dark order like right. yeah there was like you know, real vulnerability in Paige that manifested in his relationships with other people. And it's why that um, entrance that they did for the match versus the elite still gives me goosebumps. It was the ending. Mm -hmm. It was like him finally embracing the fact that he has friends. And that was the most compelling story that they've told. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, they need to start doing that because it is, it is boring, actually. Like, And it yeah. means that... Um, yeah, as you were saying, you know, you know that nobody's coming down to save the face faces during a beatdown, so you kind of switch off. Yeah, and it's it's so samey. It's just so samey. Like part of what makes characters compelling is how they interact with each other. Yeah. Um, and so part of the problem with Wardlow is that he doesn't have anybody to bounce off of. Right? He's already pretty flat as a character. Um, he has potential, but he doesn't have anybody to bounce off of. Yeah, he had Joe for like two minutes, and then Joe is too powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and everybody, you know, when he got the TNT belt, everyone was ecstatic, even though, you know, he'd been a dick to get it, technically. It's, yeah. It's like the the charm it is there rather than with Wardlow. So yeah. I hope this frees him up for something more interesting uh outside of, of this or even if he does go back to the tnt title scene or whatever i hope he's he's got some some people to 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 be with maybe ftr you know they were mm -hmm. hanging together for five minutes and the whole pinnacle history i 
constantly forget about the pinnacle. Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I constantly mean, forget that that I ever see, happened. Like, Sean Spears show up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. That was a weird, weird, weird thing. The MJF has weirdly gone through a lot of like faction moments that you go, oh yeah. Yeah, none of them suck. Um. I guess speaking about forgettable, Jay Lethal was on next. I have oh, already boy. forgotten, and after that was Women's Championship, Tony Storm and Jamie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big mood. They have this thing where, like, Darby Allen and Sting have to have a match every pay-per-view, and it has to have big spot. Sting's got to jump off some railings onto a table. Darby's got to jump off something really tall, and then mm-hmm. you can just kind of interchange whoever the other people are. And it's 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 not it's not the match for me, and it's not. That's like, what you just hit the nail on the head. Like every mm-hmm. Darby Allen match is the fucking same. Like I don't understand why. Like he's clearly a t- talented guy, and he is a very good wrestler. But every match is the same. He jumps off something, does make maple makes people hope that they haven't watched somebody die, and gets beaten up for ten minutes, and then does a babyface finish at the end and coffin drop, and it's over. I it's an in, like his matches are genuinely an instant skip for me at the moment. I, I it doesn't mean, help especially Jay Lethal, when you so. chuck D- Jay Lethal into the mix. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Like first of all, Jay Lethal is there, and then and then why is Jeff Jarrett here? What is he bringing to the table? Why do I care about this? Another man? reason to skip. Like who who care who cares who cares? I could not care less. I couldn't care less about Jeff Jarrett. I couldn't care less about Jay Lethal. And then so we just have another Darby and Sting match, which like kind of feels like the plug-in match for babies. And I think that's really unfortunate because like, I mean, it just doesn't seem like a, a, a great use of Darby's skill. But you know what? Like, fine. Whatever. And Y'all can do this. The thing is, like, what are they actually really going to do with him? Like I, like, I can't really envisage a future where um, he's AW champion. I don't I think really... it really... Uh, not like this, I don't. No, I, I really think the, the point of this is that they think, or perhaps there is data to back this up, but I, w- I am not one of the, the, the data points, <laughs> that Alan and, and Sting together sell tickets, or people want to see Sting, right? He's a special commodity, and they got to have him on the card somewhere, and, just like, and this is how they do it. I do just, want to see Sting. That just, that just I just don't want to see Jay Lethal. <laughs> that just relegates Darby to like being the vehicle for Sting to have his his big pop spots, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's literally been dragged around in body bags like a vehicle. I mean, it couldn't be more <laughs> like literal for him. He's they're kind of just wheeling it. Wheeling hey, did it any of us watch out. this match? To me, I feel like I did not watch basically it. Basically, what Darby like Sting is serving what I feel like should be reserved for Darby, which is you know. Not wrestling the whole match, coming out and doing high spot death defying stuff is really the Darby role, yet he's sort of protecting Sting in that role. And it was very cool for a while. I was at Forbidden Door where they did the great like rafter tease and then Sting jumps off the the entrance away. Like that was so cool. Uh Now we've kind of seen the same thing a bit kind of copy and pasted. And so it's kind of placeholder. Like it keeps Darby's name out there he gets no they get the win but it's true like darby had been one of like aew's 
big success stories of growing a star and people connect to him and he's just sort of plateaued a bit. And it doesn't mean it's permanent, but there's no way of knowing right now what that plan for him is and if and when it will happen. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't help that Jay Lethal is here. Uh, <laughs> well, well there's yeah, a Ring of Honor guy. Why? And he was on there before. Like, he was jumping. There are Ring of Honor. so joking, many Ring of Honor guys like, who are not why Jay Lethal. In wrestling ROH matches. <laughs> Dalton Castle is literally oh, right there. There's like a, there's a, a, a list of the length of my arm of ROH guys who are not Jay Lethal. <laughs> Why does he keep forcing Jay Lethal on us? Like, have I we done know. something wrong? I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's not, I mean, let's not go over. I understand he's obnoxious as his character now, but like Jay Lethal is really good in the ring. Not they're not looking in the matches that are letting him show up. But uh, I don't know. I think that that might be the hot take for today. What? <laughs> that Jay Lethal is good in the ring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He has Jay the ability Lethal. to be. I didn't say that. Say it was worth watching last night. <laughs> he, certainly not. He is acceptable in the ring. He can do the things that he does in the ring, and he has the uh, charisma of a black hole. This, this, I, is, this is true. No, you know what? the the only way that you can maybe build on that is that Brian Cage has more charisma than him. Oh, like, he does too. He actually genuinely does. That's ooh. With taste <laughs> and dislike, I suppose we can move on to the women's match. Uh, the championship. We're now in yes. a hater nation. Jamie Hater took the interim title from Tony Storm. Did With you the power guys... of friendship. <laughs> the power of, of evil friendship, even though they're all heels. Um, together they came around, and there was a huge pop for her yeah. winning. Did you guys think Jamie was going to beat Tony? Oh yeah, I mean if well, so I had I had some worry in my heart um because some of the some of the booking decisions as of late have been uh pretty baffling. But like this was the time. Come on. We have been so loud about Jamie Hayter for so long. Like just do it. Just That's why I thought it was not going to happen tonight because Tony Khan <laughs> yeah, likes to way. miss the mark. Like, yeah. Um, I I fully expected Tony Storm to win tonight, and then for Jamie Hayter to win at uh, Winter Is Coming, because that's Tony Khan's play, isn't it? Like that, that is exactly he, what they did with like the with the acclaimed, right? They also did it with Thunder Rosa. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this was way too the long. Yeah. She lost too many times along the way. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, but this match so is I, excellent. I certainly by thought the way. Jamie. Yeah, it was. Good. Like, I certainly thought Jamie was, could win. For me, the best women's match we've had in AEW. Like it was pure stardom style wrestling. It was yeah. fucking fantastic. It was great. And the thing is, like Tony is so good that I was kind of like, I think she's gonna be the only interim champion. For, like I yeah. think she was just gonna carry it through. But I think we have gotten to this point where you know. It seems like it's been forgotten. You know, other interim situations have been nipped in the bud. This hasn't. And it's gotten to a point now where, you know, we can't keep... It's going to be like this crazy I am... rain potentially. And it's got to move. It has to move on. If am... you can't return this month, surely they've got to... Um, surely they've got to take, change it have... to... 
they never should have had an interim championship to begin with. It was yeah. a dumb idea. It was dumb when they did it for the TNT championship. It was dumb when they did it for the world championship. And it's dumb now. It's yeah. dumb. Stop also, it. Get is, some help. This is not going to count as a reign for Tony. And I think she did a fucking fantastic job. Yeah. Um, and the just the, the absolute talent that she's brought and the fact, mm-hmm. you know, this match couldn't have been this match without tony and jamie in it you know like i think they should just retcon the interim part yeah i think they should just i think they should just i think they should just be like you know what the interim part it was a bad idea that was a world championship reign this is a legitimate world championship reign rosa can challenge for the belt when she gets back like we bring out the pen from men in black and we do boop everyone just forgets and i get what they i get what they go for with it it's meant to be like a piece of the sport right that's what it's supposed to feel like supposed to make it feel like it's a real event like you know boxing has to fill interim champions whatever it's just for sure it doesn't quite i hate it doesn't quite work. I hate it. I thought, yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite work. You know, it's just, if I wanted I, to, if I wanted to watch a real sport, I would simply watch a real sport. Like I want that fake sport feel. A, um, <laughs> like right, we like, don't have to. We don't have to be beholden to it. Right, we can let it, it go. It didn't filled all the time, and then the other person comes back. Like whatever. Yeah. You know, you might, sometimes you end up with people holding the same belt up at each other, and that works. That's a cool thing. Like so, I don't. I don't think that's an, an inherently bad thing. Like I think if it, I, like, I think the like I've said this before, the way that it's been done has usually been done poorly. But I do think that there is a way for this to be done and for it to mean something. Um, we just haven't seen it yet because yeah. it's been booked really poorly. But like, can't be done in these situations where we don't know when someone's returning. It needs to be a short-term solution or. Mm-hmm it doesn't happen because again it, it's just gone on too long right. if what we about like wwe they, they used to have like a 30-day rule but what about if yeah. you can't def- if you can't defend the belt in a pay-per-view cycle then the lin- then the interim <laughs> champion is now the lineal champion because i mean it has been over two months now and like if her they still don't really have a time scale for when she's coming back so at some point they're just gonna have to be like you know jamie Hayer is the champion right so i mean it, i it think doesn't i guess it doesn't really make sense like, like to keep doing it this way like right you, people have been vacated often whether you use a, fall back on a rule you don't always enforce but you know technically have or whatever the case is it only sets up these things where somebody how many times have you heard like i'm coming back to get the belt that i never lost and it's compelling like it's not like yeah. a bad thing that works so it should, it would work here. This match worked amazingly well. I was waiting for Jamie Hader to finally have her moment. It came. It overbooked, but you know it sets up a, a good rematch for Tony. If we want to have a rematch, maybe a cage match or something awesome. Uh, yeah, because yeah. Jamie Hader deserves to be able to go over clean. That would not ruin Tony Storm. She's had an amazing whatever you want to call the reign. It's been awesome. She's had a lot of matches. Looked really good in def- as a defending champion, a fighting champion. So. Have a blow if, it, if if the point of all this stuff with Rebel and Brit at the end was to then go back and have a real blow off in like whatever you want to call it in like a street fight a cage match some exclamation point where Jamie goes over on her own and carries the belt forward I'll I'll be for it I was a little the, I, like, I, I just the, feel like she didn't need it tonight unless it's serving we'll see what happens serving some purpose we don't know yet 
Either way, her, her purpose is the power be. of friendship. <laughs> it's 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 the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know what? It does make Tony look good that it took a you know it took an army to take her out. You know what I mean? Like she she wasn't just going down because they they were going through each other's finishes like like nobody's business. There was a several you know ripcord rainmaker moments going on like a lot of false finishes like the the tension of it and the absolute like desperation they both had to just keep fighting this idea that like you know it it was tony storm wasn't gonna just go down from your your normal match it was gonna take a lot and i think it's gonna be interesting seeing this go forward with jamie because again it's this like tweener situation which is i comes out of how fucking fantastic jamie is obviously but Mm -hmm. also how charming this unit of people are and how easy it is to cheer for them and how i think like the i think jamie has has gone with it very well like it definitely feels like she's like switched into this like baby face mode but like the the going back and forth uh between it like between them being like bad people and like doing all these things to get this win like i hope they either follow down this route where jamie really wants to like defend this on her own merit and they don't keep this kind of back and forth where one minute we're like booing the things they do and one minute we're like cheering for them doing disastery things like i always like like, I support women's wrongs. I am I, always I 100% cheering for them. support women's wrongs. But when I like watching, like when I watch the elite like do these things, I'm still like, ooh, boo. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I need them to like. No, neither am I. I laugh every time they do something. Dick <laughs> oh, it. it was like... the same when we were watching. I was watching the pack match when he was antagonizing Omega. I was crying. <laughs> yeah. It's I so think good. that's the thing as well, like, like play into the stupid, like, heels should, like, the best heels are, uh, are clowns, you know, as well mm-hmm. as really serious people. And I really hope they just, like, buy into this going forward or Jamie becomes this, like, mega baby face with this really brutal edge. I, I really want, like, us to, the crowds are really behind her, but I don't want that to wane in this idea of, like, who do we cheer? Who do we not? Where does this go? Or if Jamie faces someone who's, like, a mega face, but they have no friends, they're just still gonna cheer for Jamie, even if Jamie does go, like, full heel and does terrible things, we're still, the crowds are still gonna cheer for, for Jamie, and then it's this impossible task for the heel, so... Yeah, because we like, like it when people have friends. We do. Give the face. Were either of you waiting for like the evolution moment at the end there when Britt and uh, Britt came out and they were she was holding her hands up with the belt, waiting for her to like you know thumb oh, down and beat her up. <laughs> um, I didn't think that was going to happen. I I I thought it, it was too. It was too. Um, it felt too genuine. <laughs> like I yeah. was completely yeah. Sure them wanting her to do that um and i think you know brits faced a lot of criticism for not supporting other women um for putting herself over a lot and i think Mm -hmm. you know i think she was aware of it and didn't want that criticism for jamie and so they pulled through and it ironically makes them feel like massive faces when they did you know 
really crappy things to actually win you know hit tony with the belt take away the turnbuckle like those yeah it felt like brett used her position to like really be like you know this is the champion now kind of thing and it's yeah actually it's the first time that i have seen her do that like i know that they're friends in real life but um it's the first time that brett has unequivocally just put someone over i think it was fantastic yeah yeah, it's good. I think maybe because I do think I do think we're in danger of having a little bit of Brit fatigue. Um Yes. And, <laughs> and um and I think and I'm hoping that she's kind of like sensing that and taking to heart. It's like it's not that we don't love you, Brit, it's that we would like enough oxygen in the room for somebody else exactly. every once in a while. Exactly. I always think about like um I think it's like Adam Cole said i think in an interview once like he Mm -hmm. knows when he comes out people are going to cheer for him people are going to do the baby chant he knows he's got all these people that are behind him and they want to see him once that moment is done it's all about turning it the other way whether it's on the other so good at it too or to get people to boo him and i just feel like there needs to be more more of that for some people in AEW, like take the moment because people it's you know the AEW roster is full of people that uh wrestlers that people love and support and have followed them on this journey but there needs to be more of that like there's going to be that moment of where people are so happy to see you and there needs to be that restraint to go okay what's the actual goal here what's the purpose of this moment rather than what's my general stardom status or where am I going it feels like it gets too big and it needs to shrink down to the moment of of why we're cheering and what what the purpose of the, of the moment is. Yeah. I do sympathize for Brit though. Like um she, gets a lot of she is a product of her environment. Um mm. she has had to protect herself because there up until this point has only been one spot for women on that card. Mm-hmm, and yeah. um she was the person to get there and people can criticize the way that she puts herself over in promos which is a legitimate criticism but ultimately that wouldn't happen if there were more spaces for that division on each card and just more producers like just not necessarily fingers in pies like but just someone being in there just that their job is that creative element to be like okay this isn't actually like the right thing for this moment. Like yeah. just more of, of somebody in there just focused on that story element. Like that's their whole job. They're a story producer or something, you know, like, and they can come in and they can spot these moments and work out when the right time is, is to be X or do X or not do. And I, I think you, the magic of AEW is that people have so much, autonomy over what they do but there needs to be someone in there that has is able to to touch where things are damaging or shifting the balance in overall stories yeah yeah well then i guess that takes us to the tag team championship okay the acclaimed versus swerve in our glory we finally, okay. I mean, the third, this third match, which I, I love them, but also I was like three matches already. Okay. I, outcome, I, I mean, yes. So to begin with, I would just like to point out that I attended all out Grand Slam 
and now Tolkien. You see the O. And I have seen this match every time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You really got your money's worth. I have seen this match three times in as many months. And for the love of God, can we just like rotate people out? Mm-hmm. Like when when people are in a feud, we don't have to do all of the matches in that feud all at once. Like we can have some restraint. Maybe well, someone can explain that to Tony Khan like he's five. I would love the opportunity to do Thankfully, so. Thankfully, they're swerving our glory, are swerving together gloriously. No more. I uh-huh. love the turn. I love them both as heels. I love this concept that Swerve is this unhinged goblin that couldn't help himself slap and hit Keith Lee and that Keith Lee has been sort of twisted in this way by Swerve's behavior that instead of going like goblin mode, he's inside, he's deeply deeply moved to a point where he's had enough and he is quietly evil and he is quietly moving and just fucking walked out that ring so i actually found that to be an extremely baby face move on the part of keith lee and here here's why you know what sometimes you have a friendship with somebody and that person kind of sucks and they keep sucking and they keep sucking and they keep sucking and you're trying to keep it together and you're trying because they're your friend and they're you have lots of reasons to want to pull together and then they haul off and slap you across the face and you go you know what i'm I'm done done. and you leave like if it sucks leave hit the bricks (laughs) yeah i think we can all learn a lesson from keith lee in this moment I definitely feel like leaving your tag team partner in there for to be slaughtered is um is quite the brutal move. So I feel there's this heel element to it, but I I hear you, and now I'm very interested to see. Uh, I, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was heel. It was more just like here here are your consequences. <laughs> yes. Like yes. You you know like you don't to be a good friend you don't um always have to protect people from the consequences of their actions and Keith Lee was clearly just had enough and he was like look this is what I've been protecting you from the consequences. <laughs> yeah, and I think um I think you know while in principle I do agree with you Libby about you know the sacred bond between tag team partners you should not ever leave your partner alone like that but come on they weren't a real tag team they were never a real tag team <laughs> I love that though like my like the reason I love like Kenny and Hangman as a tag team so much is because they could never see eye to eye right but they had this undeniable chemistry and the 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 enticing part of it is is there going to be like an inciting incident here? It, can they do it? Can they see it through? Can the pride get in the way? Like the, the I love it when tag teams don't get on, but are undeniable in in what they do. I find it such a a, a fascinating thing to watch. In the stakes can be so high because you're like what well what if someone does walk out the ring what if a spot you know in quotation marks does go bad and that's like the last straw 
I find that so fascinating and I was so keyed into Swerve and Our Glory because of this because I was like where is the line and is there a line and how long can this line be drawn before somebody crosses it that one is definitely a sometimes food for me like I'll I'll enjoy I'll enjoy a little uh tag team partner discord every once in a while but it's definitely it's definitely not my favorite. I have liked it with Swerve and Keith Lee just because I find both Swerve and Keith Lee to be so charming. And I've enjoyed this brief moment that we've had with them together. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm looking forward to the feud and I don't need any more tag team partnerships to break up. Please and thank you. <laughs> I like them. I like them together. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's either, you know, it's going to go straight into a feud or it's going to be something we visit down the line. Either I feel okay about. And I'm excited for the acclaimed to get to mix it up with some other with, people as well. With real tag teams. Can the acclaimed go yeah. against real tag teams? Please. I mean, I I'm beg. Just... We have so many. They are. But Swerve and Art, like I know that for the sake of story, they were thrown together. Like they were thrown together for the purpose of breaking up eventually. But uh-huh. they are a tag team. They tagged. T- they tagged for years on the Indies. That's like, a good they point. are. They are That's like an act. They are an actual tag team. And That's a good point. I only went back and watched their matches after they started tagging together because I spoke to my mate about it. I was like. They tagged before because that's stupid chemistry to have never done it before. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Swerve I'm... when Swerve would jump off of Keith Lee's chest. Oh genius. That was good. I loved that move. So then we had the main event, which was yes. great. It was pure character work throughout. And what did you guys oh. think? Oh so, my God. okay. I have I actually have a lot of thoughts about this particular thing with John Moxley in particular. Um, because I think a lot about crowd reactions, responses to baby faces since Cody. Um, and it's really interesting, particularly with Mox. Uh I got to see him at GCW uh a while back, and in the GCW in the GCW crowd Mox is heel um, because mm. he's kind of, you know, especially when he was holding the belt, he's kind of like the outsider guy. He's kind of like the sellout guy. But I remember after the main event of the show that I went on, like everybody spent the entire time booing him. And then the minute the, like the minute the match was over, um, like everybody went right back to loving on him right it's because like they weren't booing him because they don't like him it's just like they're not the guy like he's not the guy that they're backing in that moment and like crowd conversation is basically a binary with a volume switch right (laughs) Mm-hmm. so yeah. we can't express those sort of like complicated things in the moment and i think that that was the same today or not today um yesterday that it, that was the same thing like the crowd were booing him because like he's not the guy that they were backing like the guy yeah. that they were backing was mjf it's mjf's time like that was very clear everybody was behind him he had like a lot of babyface fervor going in 
and like that's just like the nature of the thing they didn't want like we didn't want moxley to win we all know that the man is trying to go on vacation right <laughs> let and the then, man go somewhere <laughs> else other than the aw town let him rest but it's like and then as soon as the match was over everybody loved him like every like when the when the um when the feed went offline uh the rest of uh blackpool combat club came out into the ring and they were they were basically tending to him they explained to him what regal did and like moxley was like what 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 is going on with him and they were like i don't know man i don't know i don't know why they did that and like it was really fun and funny and like he got up again and like everybody was cheering for him and like yeah. thank you moxley chance and like everything like i don't think the dynamics really changed at all like i think mox acted a little bit more heelish and aggressive to the crowd in he reaction knew exactly what to do yeah like, right yeah but oh, like that, I don't that's think what I, I kind of meant like they changed their approach in the match a little bit like mox was a lot more aggressive i think he was more aggressive in this match than he has been in most matches like he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder throughout the entire fight and i I don't know, like it felt like a different kind of match from Mox. He reminded me of 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 how he felt in GCW. Like yeah. it felt very it felt very similar to like how he was reacting to people in GCW. It it um, did when I like watching it. It was it does leave because it's at such a um at such a volume and because <laughs> it's in AEW the booze made me feel so weird for mox i was like oh really yeah not that it's not that i didn't understand it but it was just more like it just felt very um bizarre in this situation and i knew it was coming it was just to actually hear it was so different because mox has been such that baby face staple the only baby face with friends maybe um, <laughs> that has, has seen us through and people you know they love mox so much he where we didn't have the elite he sprung in and blossomed into an even better mox which we didn't even know was possible and and it happened so to yeah. see that reaction was kind of like weird uh but i i got it and i also found like when mjf came out because obviously right this 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 heel turn moment was was coming back but he had been on this such this baby face trajectory and had really reined reined it in when he came out and he was just like so <laughs> much energy and then he asked this lady but he did motorboat a woman oh um, my god and i was like what the fuck <laughs> i was just like what just happened and I was that was like, so bad. Okay. And he came into the ring and he went, you know, into the camera and he was like, I think it's time for a change. And I was like, MJF has also come out in a way that I didn't necessarily expect, but also did expect. So I, going into the match, my stomach felt really weird. I was like, I don't know how to feel about this, all these things. And again, it was like leading up to this match again crowds would really flip on certain lines or pieces either mox or mjf would say 
heel and baby face feeling. Uh, was... I think that's kind of unique to the AEW crowd, actually. Like um, a lot, mo- well, maybe not, but most, um, most like US promotions that I've seen, you know, like the the line between um, heel and face is always pretty absolute. Whereas like the AEW crowd seemed to like respond to these things that they agree with positively so they'll cheer the heel but then immediately go back to booing them when like it's they've always got quite a nuanced reaction like they are like oh yeah no we get where you're coming from with us we feel this way too but then recognize but you're still a prick so we're gonna boo you I think that's partly to do with like sort of like the underpinning philosophy of AEW being that like everybody kind of has this control over their own characters and like Mm -hmm. obviously this isn't absolute but I think when people are portraying their own characters and they have one character that they are in charge of and it's their own they are able to inject a lot more nuance into it I think that other promotions who have a tighter control over character have this idea that the line between heel and face should be sharp. I feel like yeah. that's a I feel like that's an idea that I think is pretty pervasive in like wrestling culture and fandom and what have you. Um and it's actually something that I really disagree with. I don't think those lines have to be sharp. I don't think it's that complicated. I think people can follow along and be engaged and have nuanced reactions and I think it works perfectly well and it's not a symptom of something being broken it's just a different way these it's stories weird, are right? told. because like the biggest stars in wrestling history have by you know like the the line if you draw a line that's hard have always been heels i mean stone cold mm-hmm. steve austin was pretty much uh doing heel shit his entire career and the rock was disrespectful to every person that he was in the ring with mm-hmm. but the best characters do have that sort of blurred ed- blurred edges to them, and it makes them easy to more easy to relate to. So the rivalries are more compelling, right? And, right. and that adaptability is is what star power is, and like the way Mox was able to really cash in on that kind of disrespectful feeling to MJF, this idea that he was putting him to his limit and that he was sauntering in between the beatdowns, and you know MJF was seriously selling the absolute brutality he was being put through and so this it, it, this concept that there wasn't going to be a way that he could get up from this that he was gonna have to cheat and he knew that the whole time and he wasn't looking to actually meet Mox at his most violent makes total sense and the the needing to the the knuckle dusters and apparently with William Regal on side makes total sense and I think keeps Mox in this position as well of, of everything he's built up with his character with the, the Blackpool Combat Club and, and his investment in his own exploration of violence and brutality like that that remains and it also keeps MJF in this place where it's not like he's come to this ceiling as he approaches the, the AEW title reign like this match was fantastic but there's also this idea that actually we haven't seen MJF reach this point where he's outright in insanity levels of, of brutal. There, there's still that to come. He still chose the other path for this. So there's like, with this reign, this is how it started. And there is so much more 
to explore and apparently he's got big words for us next week on dynamite as well the, the, did you the hear it did you hear his post post conference uh, yeah. uh it's so good that's the only thing i saw of the the scrum because i find those bizarre <laughs> bizarre shoot kayfabe situations that have only led to weird weird circumstances uh no muffins this time Thank no God. muffins no muffins i believe like jungle boy brought his food in or something and everyone started to get really worried <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh no, this is how I started last time. So I started eating. Um, yeah, and I think I... Bold move to have another one of these. Yeah, I definitely. And I I think, um, I don't know, what happens with the Blackpool Combat Club, man? Like, what, what, what happens now? I'm actually, um, I, think, I think the potential is there for some really fun stuff, especially since the combat club seems to be just as baffled by Regal's yeah. behavior as Mox is and seems to be on Mox's side. So I'm really, I'm really excited to uh, watch Regal explain himself, become even more unhinged, do evil stuff, um and and have them all react to that hopefully far away from jericho <laughs> yes and it's also like mdf didn't have any friends william regal his friend is, is his friend and what a friend to have in this situation yeah everyone yeah it'll be uh it'll be it'll be real real interesting so out of 10 what do we rate this pay-per-view I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't think that it sits amongst the best of their pay-per-views. Maybe like seven. Yeah, I think seven's pretty. Uh, seven's a pretty good rating. Like it was pretty high up. Yeah, I, I mean, don't. It was solid. Yeah. I don't do number ratings. I don't like them. Um. But uh, I will. Say, what are your I, What is your word feeling? My. My feel, my word feeling is that this was a solid pay per view that was consistently good throughout and at times very exciting, mm-hmm. and that if you like, if you think any of the card is interesting, it's definitely worth a watch and worth checking out. I wouldn't rave about it. Um, I liked Revolution this year more. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was something incredibly special about this year's revolution. Yeah, um, this, but this I felt liked... like a reset. Like, it did feel like a reset, which a is genuinely changes. what the company needs at the moment. Because yeah, the last 2022 has not been a good year for AEW creatively. Mm. So no. uh, it it kind of felt like I don't know. I mean, obviously Tony Khan touched on it prior to the prior to the show, but it felt a little bit like um, originals versus uh, free agents. Yeah. And for the most part, you know, originals won, and um, it kind of felt like a little bit of a response to f- feedback because there has been. I mean, I don't know if you guys are on Reddit and uh, if like how closely you follow. Reddit, like the plague. I <laughs> do my I do my best to not be on Reddit. I feel like, like it's gr- a cursed space. Previously, it was sort of bordering on sacrilege to criticize AEW. Um, yeah, that was really annoying. Throughout uh, 2022, that is no longer the case. 
And I think that this kind of might have been the reset that the company needed going forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I enjoyed this pay-per-view more than I did All Out, even before yeah. the yes. aftermath. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good feeling that we didn't necessarily get the last one. So yeah. it feels like moving in the right direction. Yeah. And sure. there was nobody throwing punches when I woke up. So there was, it was all good news. Oh, it's a yeah. win. It's a, a win. relief. A relief. So with that, thank you everyone for listening to All Elite Listening. Uh, please check out the other podcasts on the Wrestling Network. We've got Flight of Five, Noob Japan, Ocean Cyclone Show, Pure Vision, and Into the Wrestleverse. That's the first time I've read those all and not messed them up. I'm very proud of myself um oh, yeah. simply search wrestling wherever you listen to podcasts um what joe's dropped off the the podcast we love you joe thank you for joining us you can find him at thumbly squeezed you can find me uh on twitter at libby underscore cadman uh you can find me mx sharp at fake sport feel and you can find me alex um at alex underscore m197 Thank you very much for listening. Until the next one, enjoy AW, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.